Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Marty, this is the worth the wait episode of Sabres Live Overtime, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Well, first, we had to wait for the celebration to end so we can get a few Bandits player before their pep rally and everything that's going to happen downtown Buffalo. So um, I feel like uh, giving them a week or so to recover from all the post-celebration festivities is the right time to get a few Bandits player on the podcast this week. Can't wait to talk with them. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The Sports Book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. What a treat and what a journey it has been to get to five titles in Bandits Championship history. And we've got three members of the current world champs with us here on Sabres Live Overtime. Chris Cloutier, Ian McKay, Kyle Buchanan, gents, congratulations on this uh, incredible journey you took us on this season. Um, we want to talk lacrosse, but quite frankly, I'd rather talk about the celebration that happened after lacrosse. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say defer to the elders, but but Kyle, we're going to start with you on this. I mean, th this 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 had to be incredibly worth the wait, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, doing it with this group in Buffalo, you know, it's my first in, you know, 11 years in the league and, you know, no better feeling and no better place to do it. I mean, I just watched a video the other day of, the celebration the guys on the bench as the seconds ticked down and it was just uh, kind of mayhem chaos guys grabbing each other hugging you know all the support staff there as well it was uh unbelievable um ian i'll ask you that one so when the vegas golden knights won last well last night as we record this phil kessel said his goal was not to throw up in the celebration and in the party that ensued uh who was the I don't want to say sickest, but who went as far as possible in the limits of staying healthy after the celebration? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I can answer because I don't really remember uh, the later part <laughs> of the night. So it, it might have been me, but uh, it was it was all fun. We, all the guys were together, obviously in the locker room, champagne and, and beers in there. And then, um, you know, taking a trophy out on the town. So it, uh, it was a fun night for sure. Hey guys, feel free to piggyback off each other's answers here because it's a free flowing conversation. Uh, Chris, Ian just mentioned the champagne and that I was actually going to ask, what is the lingering taste from that evening? Is it beer or is it champagne or something else? I, I'd probably say it's uh, honestly beer. Seems like also like doesn't doesn't help that the celebrations might have went for a little bit longer than they maybe should have. I think I stopped on Friday. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's funny. I I went and got my gear the other day um, from the locker room. Finally, like on Wednesday last week, and. Um, I was packing it up and I came home and I opened it up and it was just a huge smell of champagne and sweat. So oh. it, uh, it's definitely lingering around. That's for sure. 
So for the record, the game was on a Saturday night. So Chris, when you talk about ending on a Friday, that's five and a half days later. That's how long the celebration was in your in your own bubble. Yeah, just just a healthy shift for the for the week. <laughs> It, it, it honestly wasn't my fault. It seemed like everywhere I went, just people wanted to celebrate. So I'm not not a man to say no, very very many times. So how many it's an different joke I, about, about my rubber arm that I have? But <laughs> how many different cities did you celebrate in? Uh, just Buffalo and Kitchener, I believe. Yeah, that's a lie. I was about to say I I threw a party on uh, on Sunday with all family and friends around here, and then like uh, like they were saying, every day someone wanted to celebrate or have one beer, but one turned into six in a hurry, and then you know we were back celebrating again. And then I saw Kluge this week, and we had golfed on uh, on Monday together up in Kitchener, so we got to celebrate a little bit there. So it's been all over Ontario and New York. It seems like. How many people would you guess drank from the trophy? Like I, like you guys seem to be passing it around to thousands and thousands of people. Like it would be, would it be like 10,000 people drank from the trophy? A, a good estimate. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're far off there. I, uh, I ended up with the trophy Sunday night after, uh, after we took it out for the day and I woke up and looked at it and gave it a quick polish. It was, uh, it, it was see some fingerprints and some mouse and different drinks poured on it. So I think, and I think Ethan O'Connor had it the, the next day and he said the same thing. He, he cleaned it up pretty well. So it's, uh, it's definitely uh, made its round, uh, its rounds for sure. What is your first memory of the celebration on the floor? I mean, you, you've referenced like the mayhem on the bench, but individually and, and, and Kyle, we can start with you. Like, what do you remember first? And it, and it was a strange game in the sense that this was not your typical National Lacrosse League game. This was well in hand for a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still don't think I really thought about it because we know, how, you know, this game is so, so much momentum. And we know that they were a team that never gives up and kind of can keep coming, can kind of come in waves too. So I think probably with about three, four minutes left, I started really thinking about it and, you know, thinking about, people that were in the stands with me and thinking about what was going on. So, you know, after the chaos on the floor, it was nice to see a couple of guys lift the trophy. I was thinking about that. And then one of my first uh, thoughts was, you know, where my kids were, where my dad was in the stands and trying to get them on the floor with me as soon as possible. So uh, the rest of it before that was kind of a bit of a blur, to be honest, you know, you're hugging every single guy or just thinking about the dressing room and the beer and champagne. And then, you know, thinking about your family. So um, yeah, so many different thoughts, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. Ian? I I wonder. Well, I wonder too. Like you talk, Kyle. You talk about kids and family, and we got a great uh, look at. Sometimes uh, after celebrating, the filter kind of goes away. Tahoka had that uh, during his interview, <laughs> and it dropping half bombs. And look, I love it. But like, how careful did you guys have to be when you have kids and parents and and you know family members around the locker room to kind of careful on the language because. You know, lacrosse locker room is like I experience hockey locker room. The, the language flows, right? And was there a sense of we need to hold it back, or did, did everything just unleashed? I think I think you kind of get the green light when uh, you know you get the championship. Uh, didn't really matter, you know. Kind of get forgotten in, in the mix. So uh, not too many guys were holding back. That's for sure. <laughs> Probably some words <laughs> that don't want to be repeated and some, some things that were said and done. But uh, no, it was a blast. And I think you, you kind of get a little bit of a longer leash when, when those situations happen. Ian, you had the ball last. 
and I, I was actually so excited to see that um, when when I had arrived before the game, you know, and the party in the plaza was going on, and we were here at draft room down below. I'm assuming it was a large contingent of your family that had the McKay hats that walked past me. So I was I was really excited to see that incredibly large group. And then can you take us through what the final 10 seconds, 15 seconds felt like when you were standing there waiting for time to expire? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I'll give my, uh, girlfriend all the credit on that. She, uh, there was the McKay hats and the Hasbula hats. So it was my, it was my birthday on, on the Wednesday, uh, May 31st leading up to the game. So it was kind of their surprise that her entire family and my family, they got all those custom hat, hats made and, and warm to the game. And apparently they're a pretty big hit. Everyone was asking where, uh, where they got them. So it was cool to see and, and obviously have all that support, but, um, yeah, the I, I don't know if you can see it. Um, I haven't watched the game back yet, but I mean, it, the I knew that we were gonna win, obviously, but until the final buzzer went, or maybe like the last ten seconds, like you said, it, it didn't really sink in. Like, you know, Priolo's right there near me, Weiser's right there. I think I even pushed Weiser away, expecting Colorado to come pressure a little bit, and then uh, and then when they didn't come pressure, that's kind of when it sat sank in and. You know, I just threw my hands in the air, started jumping up and down. And um, once the buzzer went, I, I, I ran in, uh, ran into Vino into the pile there. And, and I had the ball and I tried to keep it my stick because I know that's probably something that the team wanted. But um, I think it, it rolled out or someone took it out. Um, so I don't know where that went. But it was just obviously pure excitement and, and just trying to, trying to get together with the guys and, and celebrate and just take it all in. Chris, what about the actual like finals itself? Win game one, go to Colorado, lose game two. Uh, you know, you got to come back. The, the pressure of being at home, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, sometimes with a game seven or a game three or an ultimate game like this, you want it at home. You want it in front of your fans. Did you feel like that was an advantage, especially at the start of the game, having Bandit Land, everybody going crazy at Key Bank, uh, Key Bank Center? Yeah, I think I think playing in Banditland is always an advantage just with how great and supportive, you know, our fans are. Um, and, you know, definitely definitely plays a factor into into, you know, who's playing and and, uh, and like other teams coming to play against us like that's tough to play against. Um, I know that firsthand from my days, short days in, in Philly. <laughs> um, but um, no, like I like I, I think like there's not I think. It's a little bit scary. I think a lot of us had, had talked about it in Denver because we were here last year and it had seemed like we were kind of going like it was playing. It, it, it had seemed like it was kind of playing out the same exact way as it did the year before, you know, uh, win a close one game one, go to Denver, you know, basically lay an egg. And uh, then it's it's all it's anyone's game in game three. But uh, I'd say the difference was like after that game, it wasn't everyone just sulking. It, it was everyone like talking about, okay, so what, what do we need to do next? What, what do we need to do to win game three? And you could tell the attitudes were differently or were different even on game day. You know, everyone was just dialed and knew what they had to do, not taking anything for granted, not thinking, okay, you know, we got game three, we're just going to win because we're in bandit land. Like everyone knew their, knew their job and their role and everyone was dialed in in coming together and, and, you know, getting it done this year. And I think you could feel that throughout the whole, the whole uh, championship series. 
Did anything change tactically that you can recall specifically year over year, like from game three a year ago to game three in this one, Kyle, that that may have, in fact, impacted dramatically how this all played out? I mean, I think last year um, we were such a high-powered you know, offense and our defense made timely saves and shut it down all year. And then we got to the playoffs. And I think last year in game three, we just thought, oh, we'll just be ourselves. And we'll just, you know, buzz around and do these different things. And we're going to get our stops. We're going to get our goals. And I think we almost expected it to happen. Um, I think the difference this year was, you know, to Kluch's point, like I've never seen probably a more focused group and a more purpose-driven group than we were in game three. Um, you know, discipline was a big factor for us. Obviously, we went to the box a lot in game two. Um, but again, I, I talked about it with you guys before. I don't think it was necessarily discipline, just not taking penalties, right? We were taking punches to the head. We were picking up loose balls in front of the net. Um, you know, we were, we were breaking out in pairs, just hitting all of our strategy points all over the floor. Uh, and I don't know, even though we beat some teams by more in playoffs, I thought game three was probably the best executed game we'd played all year and, and obviously at the best time and biggest time. I want to go back to the celebrations because one guy that has had the chance to celebrate in Bandit Lands before as a player is John Tavares, now as a coach, right? Um, and and the relationship between player and coach sometimes is different. Like you 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 don't want to be partying together, but you want to respect one another, and then all of a sudden you win. How was JT in the celebrations? Was he the one leading the way? Uh, was he quiet, like standing back? He, he's, was he dancing away? Like what was JT in from uh, from a player's perspective in, in the celebration? Um, uh, yeah, he, he's definitely not a, afraid to celebrate, especially a, a big one like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we we uh, lacrosse is I think a little different than other sports where it's a, it's a lot closer community and you only get together once, uh, once a week throughout the season. So um, no matter where we are on the road or at home, usually guys, you know, go have a beer or two. And um, it's not uncommon to, to, to see the coaches out uh, or JT or whoever may be out as well. So um, we've, we've seen them in those situations before, but not, uh, I don't think to that extent. Um, his, I don't know how quick his suit came off, but it was off. And uh, when he came to give us the, the last speech there and uh, with the trophy after the game, and um, we made our way over to Cobblestone there for a bit uh, after the game. And I know he's, he's a, a household name there from, from his playing days. So, um, but from there, I, I don't remember seeing him, but uh, I'm, I'm, sure he had, I'm sure he had a great night, though. He, he was the first one. The, he was the first one I saw at Cobblestone. And then I, I apologize. I didn't get to catch up with all of you guys, but it, you made quite an entrance at Cobblestone. It was, it was an awful lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I think the other thing uh, that kind of slips the mind, too, is that JT actually played with, with and against a bunch of the guys on our team. And, you know, has lost with a bunch of the guys. So it does make it a little bit different of a situation than, than the, your, your typical coach-to-player relationship. I can That's just see JT like yeah. the way that he throws the challenge flag on the on the on the on the field <laughs> is like coming in the room, ripping the tie, throwing that thing away, jacket's gone, like three buttons open. Like I can just see the the picture that you're portraying for me right now. And I love every second of it. <laughs> Kyle, you've been, I mean, because you've been around it the longest in this league, like what did you know of JT beforehand as either player or coach? And and what have you seen from him being here? How many years now? Three? 
with Bandits? Three, well, one COVID year, but yeah, yeah. technically three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, JT, um, you know, I used to used to go to camps that he would run as a kid uh, growing up. And I obviously knew he, he's one of the best players. And I think in lacrosse, to be one of the best players, you got to have one of the best minds, um, especially offensively. you got to understand the game and understand what defenses and goalies are trying to do. So that was something that I thought was a given. I, I always tell the story. The first time I ever played against JT was in the summertime. And uh, I got caught back on defense and covering him. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. So. Sure enough, doesn't he slash my stick out of my hands and I go to pick it up and he stands on top of it and calls for the ball. I, like it was a funny little play, but I thought to myself, like, what a high IQ, just small little play. And then kind of that was my first um, take of JT as a player. But, you know, the more I got to work with him uh, as my coach, you just get to see the wheels are always turning. He's always trying to, um, you know, change an approach or maybe make a successful in the offensive end. So. Um, you know, and he's not far removed, like the boys were saying, as a player. So it's definitely a different relationship. And, um, you know, it's cool to see him get one as a coach. I don't know about Matt Vince because he has been just lights out eight times. He was named goaltender of the year in National Lacrosse League. Uh, when you guys practice and you're kind of sneak bitten a little bit and you can't score. Do you stay away from Advents? Do you go down the other end? Because that was my role as a goalie. Like uh, I was the backup and they were like, hey, if you can't score on Lundquist at the one end, go to Marty's end. You'll score plenty of goals over there. And all the guys that were struggling would come down to my end. Like, is that the same scenario in practice with Matt Vince? Like you can't beat him in practice, can't beat him in games. So you go down to the other end? Chris, I'll ask you first uh, because uh, you, you seem like you want to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you know, I, I personally love having Vino in practice because he's going to give you the best look you can possibly get. But, yeah, if, it, if it's the day of the game and we're in shoot-arounds, like, I'm, I'm probably going to be down in the other end, you know, getting my confidence up before before <laughs> the game. Not to say anything bad about Shani, but just Vino is, 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 a, is a different creature. <laughs> One word yeah, to we, yeah. We have, I like, Vito and I have a pretty uh, cool relationship. Um, I, don't, I don't think many people know, but his rookie year in uh, San Jose, uh, he was uh, playing with my uncle. So when I when I came to Buffalo, obviously my rookie year was his first year here. So kind of full circle and we were able to bond over that um, pretty well. And, um, you know, every time we were in our warm-up drills in practice, um if i'm lucky to sneak one in which is or uh yeah if i'm lucky to sneak one in it's not often but every time he saves one he's always staring at me and he always says yes just to, like make sure he knows that uh that he made the save on me so um to, to kluge's point i'm trying to find either an empty net or a third goalie to go shoot on for uh for my confidence one word to describe vino's performance in the clincher I mean, outstanding. I was just going to say goat. Yeah. You know, I think, I think he's so committed to his game in so many different levels. Like that's one thing about practice. Like you don't want to take it easy on him because you know, you want him to feel a little bit, but at the same time, he, he's still asking guys, how is he getting better? What can you see from this angle? You know, how long he's done it and how many times he's been the best still trying to get better every day. And he's still having a great time in the dressing room, but um, you know, that performance just showed why he, he is who he is. I, I'm going to cheat a little bit and say two words, not surprised just because, <laughs> you know, he, he's been that way all year. And it, 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 it does help a lot on the offensive end, knowing that you just, you got a brick wall in the defensive end. So you can take the, your shots and, you know, not get too stressed about if they're going in or not. Cause you know, it's going to be held down on the, on the back end. 
You're definitely not cheating. Every single week we do one word Tuesday on Sabres Live. I never stick to one word. I always hyphenate <laughs> words, combine words. Phrases are accepted now. So uh, that's not a problem. Uh, Ian, quickly, I wanted to ask you because, you know, obviously guys play hurt and there's there's tough injuries in lacrosse. It's a tough game. And, and Josh came back for game three. And for me, like one of the big moments of the game was the goal at the end of the first quarter when nobody's really knowing what's going on. He gets the ball way up and lets it go and it goes in with like 0.2, right? And it makes you guys go up two to one. Um, what about Josh's performance and, and that moment in the game, like switching and giving you guys that jump forward? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously after game two and, and not finishing off the series, um, it was a pretty quick turnaround. I think we were, we were home Tuesday um, and then back with the guys Friday. And, you know, we didn't really know right up until, um, you know, Saturday morning whether he's going to be a go or not. And, um, you know, once you got the word that he was, it was kind of not necessarily a sigh of relief because, you know, we've, we've dealt with the adversities all year with, with injuries and stuff, but he's such a dynamic player and, and a game changing player. And I mean, you see it when he's flying through the air, um, scoring all those crazy goals. And, and to your point, that last goal there um, at the end of the, uh, I think it was the first quarter he said it was, you know, I think it was kind of one of those things where it went in and you kind of, that was maybe the first moment where you thought, okay, it's going to be one of these nights you know what I mean? Where it's a kind of a, a ricocheted shot that goes in, usually D Ward's uh, making that save, um, you know, nine times out of 10. And we got that one and, and probably the most, well, in the most important game. So, um, you know, just to see him healthy and, and back out uh, on the floor. I mean, if you ask him, he'll probably tell you there was no doubt he, he was uh, playing in game three, but um, just to have him out there and how good he is, it, it's obviously, uh, you know, it, it uh, helped, helped us out for sure. Was there a goal for each of you in that game that made you realize, okay, this now we've got it? Was there that what? What's Are that? You set up for this one? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now I want to know because he never gets any attention. Tell us about Max Adler and what you guys felt in that moment when he scored that goal. Yeah, Max. Max is a beauty. I've actually I've had the pleasure of playing with him since uh, my first year professionally for the Denver Outlaws back in the MLL. We won a championship together there as well. But he is actually I tell people all the time he is the nicest, hardest working guy you'll ever meet. Like he would stay at my house and he'd offer to buy every single meal I had, like offer to pay me money. And I'm like, no, don't. But like he and he won't take no for an answer. And then when he's not working his like high intensity job with ESPN that like is, it is takes a toll on him. Like he's working all the time with that. He's finding a field somewhere. Like, like I said, in training camp, he was staying at my house for a bit. He'd log off at like seven 30 at night. He'd be like, Hey, is there a field around here? And like, what do you need a field for? He's like, I gotta go take face offs. And he's just going to go face off against no one on a field and just like, he'll he'll take face-offs at the 50-yard line and go on breakaways with no one in net and just like that's how much he works and that's how hard he works and he loves it loves it seeing ads you know high step around the corner after he scored and he was telling me all morning he was gonna throw a leaner if he gets a chance he's gonna throw a leaner and he comes by the bench and he's high stepping and he's like see i've been working on it i've been working on it so you know those two goals <laughs> probably stick out to me as well oh yeah man. i mean for me obviously the max goal is it's 
it's all time. And I think that's maybe another moment in the game where you're kind of, you're able to take another bit of a deep breath and realize, you know, this is really going our way. And, um, you know, the, the writing started to, to show on the wall there. And, um, I mean, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. I, I think Spanger's goal um, in transition right after Wardle's oh. score. It, uh, nice, you know, nice pass. That was a nice I, pass. Well, that's, that's where I like to pat myself on the back, but in terms of <laughs> momentum, right? Like fourth quarter, you know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, anything can happen and, and they get a goal that, you know, is kind of a controversial goal, um, goes to review. Um, and, you know, we come out the next face off and, and Spanger puts one away for us and stops our momentum right away. It just, just goes to show again, you know, it was, it was just kind of everything was going our way that night. And, um, you know, so those two probably stand out most for me. Now, I hate to ask this question, but that's where my mind always goes. I'm a what's next kind of guy, right? Okay, that, that just finished. What's next? Like, how do you guys look at the summer uh, preparation? Like, what's what's next for, for the team, for each individually? Like, how do you prepare for coming back after a championship? Chris, uh, you know, we'll start with you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's always the way like any good athlete should think is, is, you know, what's next. Like, and you got to take some time and enjoy it. And, and we are uh, tomorrow or when this airs tonight, but um, you know, we're going to have that time together as a team, but uh, you know, everyone on the team knows now has the taste of it and, you know, there's nothing more motivating than, than chasing that taste again. And, and, and you know, and uh, we're, we got the guys, that you know can do it clearly we've been there and you know we got a big good core of us coming back so you know it, it's just making sure everyone's doing what they can individually over the summer uh to stay in shape and uh stay healthy i know for me personally um you know i could still lose 20 to 30 pounds and, and be a much different player so um you know that's definitely going to be a big goal of mine in in the summer and hopefully you know I come back and and people can't tell the difference between two and twenty two. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, you prefaced it though, so let's follow it up. Um, Kyle, Ian, what should we expect? Yeah, the celebration in the plaza on Thursday night, and the walk up Washington Street to the ballpark, and then what's going to happen at the ballpark? Like Marty and I have envisions of an OV, you know, an OV summer with the cup here. So like. <laughs> I don't know. Are you going to find some fountains, some places to, you know, go crazy or what? Oh, uh, Dane. Well, Dane left right after, right after the championship, basically to go on vacation. So he might be back in fine form. So that might be summer of Dane. I don't know here, but um, I, I, maybe Mickey, you know, a little bit more being in the city, but um, I'm not sure what to expect tomorrow. Obviously it's been a long time since, since the bandits have won and I'm expecting a good crowd at the rally. Then we get to make our way to the, to the field. And, you know, Daner's going to throw the first pitch, probably a ball, but um We'll have some bets on that, but uh, yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm sure some boys will be in fine form. Um, I think just get excited to get back together and um, you know, cause you, you have that celebration that night, then you kind of go your separate ways for a little bit. So it's going to be exciting to, to kind of get a little bit of closure and bring it all together again. If we had to do the running of the bases at the uh, Bisons, who would be the fastest base runner? Like go around all, like touch them all and come home. Who would be the fastest? Probably say Bucky. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was going to say Mickey. I was going to say Mickey or... I'll say Klutz then. It's a friendly show, friendly family show. Everybody gets a trophy here. I love it. <laughs> we, now, I don't know for sure. This is all hearsay, but I'll, I'll phrase it this way. 
Where did you have more fun after the game? Cobblestone, 500 Pearl, or Rec Room? You're trying to get us in trouble. Or a place <laughs> unknown, because there may be some many places unknown. Yes, absolutely. Or where did you have breakfast? <laughs> you go ahead, um, right after the game, I mean, Cobblestones is always fun. Uh, they take care of us there, but you know, rec rooms kind of where, where everyone gets in their, in their fullest form and, and it, things kind of get a little bit unleashed. So, you know, I can, I can never complain about rec room. I love it. Uh, whose idea was it to cut the mesh and then wear that around with your, uh, victory caps, which was a really good look. I thought, I think Mickey might've started that one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of become a tradition in sports. You see a lot of teams, you know, basketball does it. Um, yeah. You know, at, at hockey, I don't know if hockey does or not, but um, I know in lacrosse it's kind of a thing with, you know, um, NCAA. We did it in the PLL a couple of years ago. So right after we took the picture, I found our trainer, um, Nikki, and, and grabbed her scissors. And, and I think I was the first one over there. And um, just kind of a, another cool little piece of, you know, memorabilia to, to keep for and, and to remember and, and cherish that night. Who stayed the longest in their gear? Who 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 was the longest wearing their their full gear after? Like who was like, hey, let's go! Like we gotta go! Like you're silling it around here. Who was the the guilty party in that one? I don't know. I think Dane might have proposed in his. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think Weiser and uh, Chase spent quite a bit of time in their gear. They were in it for a while. I think I was out of the shower in my suit, and they were still dancing around, having a cigar. And um, I'm usually one that's kind of quick out of there because I like to get to the party and celebrate a little bit. But I was yeah. enjoying this one a little more in the room with the guys. How, how many fellow teammates got engaged? Is it just two? Many. Or is it, how many? <laughs> Too many. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we had three on the year this year. Josh, Dane did it uh, in Greece there, and then Weiser just did it as well. So, right. All you right. You get a ring. You get a ring. Everyone gets a ring. If you had to, if you were a Bandit fan and walked into the team store, whose jersey would you buy? Kyle? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I kind of want to go off the beaten path a little bit. I don't know. That's a that's a really good question. Uh, everyone buys Dane's jersey. I can't say him. I think uh, maybe I'll buy. You know what? Maybe I'm gonna buy. I'm go with Mickey this year because I think uh, I know you're on the call here, but I might say it anyway. But he was all over the floor, right? When we needed guys up on offense, he played offense. He played uh, defense. Played transition. Great job on loose balls. Mickey was an all around force for us this year, so I'm gonna go uh, with number four. I'm I'm gonna go with Justin Martin. You know, uh, he, he never gets enough enough praise for what, what he does on the floor. But, you know, this year, he's, he's as you can imagine, super quiet guy. But this year, he kind of also started to step out of his shell and, and definitely, uh, you know, made his mark in the, in the, in the dressing room this year. So uh, definitely a big Justin Martin fan. Which stole my Marty's my roommate on the road, so I wanted to go Marty, but. Um, I'll go, I'll go with our, our good buddy, Soxy. I'll go with Shannon. <laughs> he, uh, I think just like, you know, we only carry two goalies this year and usually teams carry three and, you know, Marty, what you were talking to earlier with, with Vino and, and getting your confidence up and stuff like that. I mean, Shani saw more shots than probably anyone this year. And I think was, 
you know, our, our unsung hero. And, um, you know, usually when a third goalie staying late after practice, taking the extra shots, he was, he was the backup taking them. So I'll, I'll rock a, a Shanahan jersey any day. Okay, well, a little this or that for you guys. Um, and I'm sure you like boat uniforms and all the extra jerseys you have. But if you had to pick one <laughs> to be pictured in with the trophy, the orange or the white or an alternate, like which jersey would you – do you prefer? Which jersey do you feel like is the best jersey you guys have? I'll say the darks. I think uh, – I love the white jerseys. I think they're they're fresh. They're clean. I think it's a nice look on the road, you know pretty sharp but uh, I think the darks are just traditional um you know back the teams that were winning more championships I just uh just blends with the floor blends with the orange in the stands I think the darks black is slimming as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'd go I'd go darks as well I think you just look back to the, the teams in the 90s very similar uh similar vibe to those guys so uh, but if I if I had to go off the beaten path a bit I think the um the jerseys with the eyes on them those things are, are pretty cool too yeah i mean we're really lucky to have had so many great representations of the bandits through jerseys over the years i gotta say this guys i've been going to lacrosse games for probably approaching five decades i've been dragging my kids to uh games for a long time and it's only been in the last couple of years because of you guys that they have instinctively on their own wanted to go bring their friends and just revel in the moment. So thank you for bringing it and really hope you guys get to just have an incredible celebration on Thursday night. Isn't it great how players can get so excited talking about um, championship moments, individual moments that led to the championship, but so many athletes are just so humble, so down to earth, and just it's never comfortable talking about yourself, even in the championship moments. And man, I feel that with and always have felt that with with lacrosse players and and specifically like what we've come to experience in bandit land. It's always team first with these guys. And that's what makes this moment all the more just worth it for everybody oh, right very special but what's funny is that you get the guys to open up about post game celebration and you know celebrating for a week and and the parties on the golf course and everything and then you're like what about the game and it's very serious because the game is serious what about yeah. like the message after game two to game three and the the leading up to game three and it's very serious and then you say okay like who could drink more? Who partied longer? And then it becomes a crazy moment again because that's what's fun about. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a professional championship, a college rank championship, a high school championship, a youth sport championship. Like you always remember those moments and the aftermath of it. I still remember when I was 12 and we got a, we won a tournament, not a, a league championship, a tournament. And then how we went to the diner after and we like, you know, Got a little crazy at the diner, but it was we were celebrating, right? So, yeah. so you remember those things, and it's fun. And you never forget the losses, right? Yeah. I mean, this has been an incredibly, unexpectedly long journey for this franchise to get to a fifth championship. It actually took a while to get from three to four. But the fourth to the fifth has, has felt like forever simply because they've been there 
and you've had Dane Smith knocking on the door and, and, and Marty, I was incredibly um, fortunate to be in Saskatchewan when they were there in 2016, they had lost game one at home and were trying to extend the series with a win there. And they lost in the last second, last seconds. And I remember interviewing Billy D Smith and you know, the rawness and how much hurt was there. And then you've been watching Dane following Billy D's footsteps and, and trying to, you know, bring that, that family pride to the game. And, and he had such a beautiful moment on the floor together after the bandits finally did win this year. But Dane has always kind of worn those painful words and feelings that, that Billy D shared with us back then. And that's, I mean, we're talking seven years ago, and yet it seems like they've been knocking on the door almost every year since. What a relief this must be. Yeah, and it's been a tough three, four years with the pandemic and everything that's slowed down the yeah. National Lacrosse League and, you know, um, the resources. And and then last year, they get to the championship just to lose to Colorado, and then they, they kind of just plowed through the season. I felt like this season, it was great from start to finish, and through the playoffs, they really... But narrow victories, right? Narrow they- victories, but yeah, but that, that's maybe that's what they learned from last year. But then they get to the finals just to play the Colorado Mammoth again, and you're thinking, yeah. oh, like this matchup is may not be the best matchup for the Bandits, right? But they they win game one, they lose game two, as yeah, I I think the guy said like they laid an egg in game two and then they recovered. Like I love I love a team that pulls themselves back up when they fall. And they fell many times over the last few years, and they pulled themselves back up to the ultimate prize. And you remember what we got to experience this year? We actually did a West Coast Sabres game night experience hosting pregame and intermissions from the arena as a Bandits game, which went to overtime, and Dane got the winner against Philadelphia as it was, we were in Banditland doing a Sabres broadcast. It was absolutely crazy. And I felt that with people in and around the arena going into that final game and coming out of the championship win was people were just wrapped up in this, but not singularly. It was a Buffalo thing. And it was like, oh my gosh, I hope this is the first train, first car in the train, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Make, get the, make get the ball the rolling train. right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Get the ball rolling. But I do remember that game you're talking about. When we were on the pregame at about 9.30 and the Bandits game's about to wrap up and they go to overtime and I, I was talking. I was into an analyst point when they scored. I didn't know who scored because the, the field is behind us and the horn, everybody. But the buzz of the people yeah. celebrating and leaving KeyBank Center. Like, that's what I remember. Like, wow, like Bandit Land is special. But mm-hmm. this year there's something extra special because fans were really into it which was really fun to see. You know what I've never seen? The ballpark decked out in orange. Oh. I am hopeful that we have such a fun bandit-themed crowd going from the plaza Thursday night up to the ballpark. I want to know what Salem Field looks like when everybody's decked out in orange because that still, to me, is one of the great eye-openers in your experience in bandit land. We're so accustomed to seeing saber colors. But when you come in and you get 19,000 to buy in into this color, it's overwhelming, it's inspiring, it's awesome.
No, I know you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I remember playing for the Flyers and when the fans <laughs> put on their orange T-shirts and shirts and whatever in Philadelphia, yeah. it was yeah. a, man, orange is an intimidating color. It's yeah. a dominating color. It's an eye-catching color, right? Uh -huh. And Bandit Land in orange at Quebec Center is eye-catching. Now, yeah. when they go to... Uh, you know, Salem's Field and and take over uh, over there. Um, I think it's going to be very eye catching. It's going to be fun. High fives! They got them all now. They got one for every finger. The old one for the thumb rule, which now applies. And uh, Marty, thank you. Thanks to uh, all the bandits who joined us today, and to Banditland for just creating this incredibly memorable atmosphere. We'll see you at the ballpark and the plaza on Thursday night.